cops are pretty skeptical From what I've seen, that's what you get They said they're busy with the carnival But agreed to do a wellness check When they said that you're okay They sounded almost entertained They said you had some funny friends And it's always someone's birthday in your building Down through the family It's nice to know There's someone in this world Who's always known me It's nice to know There's someone in this world Who's always known me The fish tank It was always meant To be a temporary home The boundaries They were well defined in control and that year you spent all shot between mania and double down Anthony I'm sure you know these things they can be passed down through the family it's nice to know there's someone in this world who's always known me it's nice to know there's someone in this world who's always known me You are listening to Holy Commutes for Monday, April 24th, 2023. Holy Commutes is the only daily morning podcast dedicated to all things Wolfball. I'm Paul Cook, joined by my brother Tim for our fourth and final Monday episode of the April 2023 season. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Mid-Atlantic Opening Day Tournament that took place uh, just a couple days ago on Saturday. In York, Pennsylvania, it's our seventh annual Opening Day Tournament. Um, our biggest tournament, our biggest MAW tournament ever at 24 teams, um, and I think probably one of our most unique and memorable and different tournaments uh, that we've run. So we kind of want to like, there's so much to recap, we're going to forget 50% of it at least in this podcast. We just kind of want to talk about like a whole bunch of different things. So it was a great day. Um, challenging with the weather, and we want to talk about that as well. But uh, a really great tournament, Tim. I, you know, I, I think we're, we're always, we come out of all these tournaments, we go into them very prepared to sort of, you know, face the unexpected. And this one, we had, I wouldn't say unexpected stuff, we had the most, you know, a, a lot more challenges than we do in a normal tournament. Still really great, just still a really fun tournament, and a ton to talk about. Yep, and, you know, congratulations, uh, you know, before we start to the Las Vegas Swifflers, who, Defeated with Inc. in the uh, championship game, one nothing. Um, they played, you know, great all day. There was, you know, so many great teams, and but even more so, so many great players, including you know a handful of people that we hadn't seen before. Who, you know, if they stick around, you know, have the potential to you know become really good. And you know, I think that's kind of something that me and you always look for. Yep. And great players and great people too. Like you know, to, to sort of just start lead off with the you know the weather and the challenges we had here. Um, everyone was very so. You know, for for those that don't know, um, we were at two different locations for this, which we've done relatively frequently over the last couple of years at York tournaments. We had the Dallas Town location and the Shy Park location. The difference here is we built six fields compared to three or four fields at Dallas Town normally. So most of the teams 
were over at Dallas Town 16 during the prelims, and then the other eight out of the 24 were at uh, Shy Wiffleball Park. So that in its own is a challenge because it's just it's just me, you, and Shirey really, you know, not playing and uh, trying to run things. So having three people spread out over two locations and nine fields and 24 teams is a lot. Um, and then we had weather that we knew was coming. Weather forecasts are all over the place, but this was incredibly consistent for like the whole week weeding up that like <laughs> two to four o'clock there was going to be something, uh, and it came right about three three fifteen. Um, and the players though were very, very flexible, you know. Um, we had we had I think we probably like ended up on like, you know, plan G or H out of, you know, plan A, B, C, and D that we had. Um, there's a lot more moving around of teams than I think we thought we were gonna have, but everyone was flexible. We made it work. Um, we ended up having to finish the tournament at Dallas Town, even though the plan was the opposite, because they've got lights. So we played uh, the final semifinal and then the final game at Dallas Town under the lights, which was unique. It took a while just because I think everyone was exhausted from the long day, from all of the rain moving around and all that stuff. But um, that kind of ended up being like a cool atmosphere, you know, for the championship of uh, Las Vegas Whifflers and Whiffing. Yeah, it was it was definitely different, and um, yeah, it it all it all worked out well, like. Um, you know, that was the one thing we knew we could use the lights, but we didn't know, you know, just how they would actually work out in practice. And, um, you know, it, that, that all ended up yeah, working out uh, very well. We also started the tournament, you know, a half hour early. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of the day, you know, it was cool, but, you know, there was a lot of wind. Especially over at Dallas Town, you know, Schuler and Chef are a little bit more insulated, um, and I, you know, I think that with the that having to pitch with the wind or hit with the wind in six different directions on six different fields, plus the earlier start time, yeah, yeah, and then the rain, you know, it's no wonder, yeah, people, you know, moving a little bit slower, and you know, at the end of the day, it all worked out, and. Um, you know, it was it was a really really successful tournament. So yes, yeah, so like 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 the wind was definitely a huge factor. Like you know, it it really just rained hard for like an hour, um, you know, an hour ish, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, but the wind was present all day until the rain came. The rain killed the wind, which was nice for the uh, um, the later playoff games. But yeah, the wind at Dallas Town was a huge factor. There were a couple of fields that like the wind was blowing in on and guys with, you know, there's, we'll talk about this in a second, but there's just so many pitchers that throw hard now. And on any of these fields where the wind was blowing in, it was just helping them a ton. And, and we also have a lot of great hitters, so they don't really, you know, they can still overcome that velocity, but there's a lot of, you know, well hit balls that just weren't traveling out. And I think we should talk about the impact of the weather on the tournament. It wasn't the rain. It was the wind before it rained that really sort of impacted things. We had a lot more low-scoring games, a lot more games going to bases loaded, extras than we ever have. Like you know, yep. normally we, we we just we just really don't. It's not you know, even though we play with two strikes, even though it's five inning games, most and even though we've you know got all these great players playing all the time anyway, most of the games end in end in regulation without loading the bases. That wasn't the case yesterday, and the win was the driving factor of that. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was interesting early in the day. Um, one of the first games or the 
was whiffing against Earl, and that was on a field where the wind was blowing in, and you had Dan Whitener throwing for Whiffink and Connor throwing for Earl, and you know, the wind blowing in added another, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to say I five is probably too much, but it added another mile or two, or you yeah. know, maybe four. And you know, through the first like seven innings of that game, you know, I'm not sure more than like one ball you know, left the infield and even that, you know, was just, you know, deadened. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting, but that's also the good thing, like about having like six different fields and how they were set up, you know, I, I, not every field played the same with the wind, but it was like kind of equally distributed and, you know, in general, yeah, some teams, the way we scheduled everything, you know, if you won or if you lost, depending on where you were, you, you might stay at a field. But I think everyone got a fairly equal opportunity, especially if you lost, to go to a different field and potentially, you know, have a different type of game experience, right. uh, you know, um, versus staying on the same field the whole time. Yeah, it's like it, it just is what it is. And like, um, I think to sort of bring both of these points together, both the, you know, the, the, uh, the good player base that I think is in the game now. And then the weather from yesterday is like, you know, you and I could say, Tim, that, you know, at, at different points in the 20 plus years we've been in wiffle ball, at the majority of points, there would have been a lot of people that really use the weather as an excuse, really use the fields they played as an excuse. I think everyone yeah. here understood that like, you know, it just is what it is. Like that's, that's baseball. You play in different parks with different dimensions, different weather conditions. And it just is what it is. Both teams are playing under the same set of conditions and you just uh, make it work. And, um, you know, it, it kind of adds to like an, a, a cool element to the tournament, I think, where, um, you know, those things do play a role. I think that's better than just having a bunch of perfect weather cookie cutter stuff. You know what I mean? Like, because that's again, that's just that's baseball. That's wiffle ball. Yeah, if, if this was like 1998 to like 2004, um, there would have been a ton of people complaining. And, you know, I didn't hear I didn't hear any complaints, you know, it, it, mostly, you know, because, yeah, this is, you know, what you come to deal with. And like, it's, you know, I'm sure we'll get a perfect day, you know, for one of our tournaments where, you know, there's not a lot of wind and every you know, and everything's like that so like it's you know it, it, it it's I, I don't even want to say refreshing it's just like you know it's hey we got to go take care of our business on the field and if we don't that's you know it's it, it's on us at the end of the day yeah and speaking of taking care of business on the field you know we talked about this in the lead up and a lot of other people talked about this in the lead up that that group c was kind of you know people said quote unquote group of death um it definitely turned out that way. The 0-2 versus 0-2 game was the Cajuns versus New York Meats. So you had the Meats, you know, who, you know, uh, they didn't play in MAW last year, but from 2019 to 2021, you know, top contender in MAW, uh, finished, you know, second two years ago in United Wiffle, finished top eight last year. And you had the Cajuns that have Randy Dalby, which, you know, he's got, Two out of three years finishing top three at UWF, just you know, a legendary player, Sylvie Serrano, Angela Dead, who's uh, uh, Lede, who's won a ton, 
um, in different places. You know, these two really good teams. That was an zero and two versus zero and two game in that bracket. Um, you know, which I think just really showed how competitive this tournament was. Yeah, and like I, you know, it, that was it played out there very much the same. And like you know, when Group B ended up, you know, adding the blue balls instead of the RV revs. You know, that bracket also took, you know, a, yeah. you know, a, a fairly significant step up. You know, there was just like I said at the beginning, it was it was amazing seeing how. 22 of the teams had at least one above average player, maybe all 24 did, but at least 22 of them, you know, definitely did. Yeah, I, I think you can make an argument for all 24 um, pretty easily. So, like, let's go to that topic then. So, like, some sort of under-the-radar players and or teams that you kind of want to shout out with specific, you know, mentions. I've got a few. I don't know if you want me to start or... Yeah, you go ahead and start. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with the Long Island Dumps, who I knew very little about coming into this besides that, you know, their wiffle ball experience was yard and gall. Um you know, you just never know how that's going to translate. Sometimes it translates great, sometimes it does. And so their pitcher, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't get his name, um, but who threw most of their innings, you know, legit, legit fastball stuff. Um, and I think it's only going to get better. Uh, also, really, really nice guy, too. The, the whole team was, you know, really good guys, um, good competitors. Um, but yeah, like their main pitcher, legit stuff. They're a team that, you know, if they come back to MAW some other time later in the season, if they go to the United Wiffle, um, you know, they're one of those solid teams that have the building blocks and can get better. So that's the first one I'm going to name. Uh, you got one? Uh, yeah. And again, I, you know, I don't know the player's name, even if you may, but um, from the uh, East Bangor Vortex, is that correct? Yep. Um, yeah, but their, their pitcher who, Came in in relief of Sean Huff in game one, and I think pitched most of game two. He was on a field that had like a tiny bit of wind blowing in, but not nearly as much as some of the other fields. And this guy was throwing, you know, just a straight fastball, but he was banging the zone. He wasn't just throwing it center center. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily spotting on the corners the whole time, but like, he was moving it around the inside of the zone enough that, you know, squaring up on it wasn't easy. And, um, and yeah, you know, it's still, it's very rare to see a guy just throwing a straight fastball um, as your only, as your only pitch. And, you know, if you grade it out, I, you know, I think it was a, you know, definitely, I mean, definitely a 50, probably a 55 on, you know, the 80, 2080 scale. And, you know, just really impressive. And you could see, oh, wow, that's, you know, again, this is a, a guy who, you know, knew nothing about and, you know, has, like you said before, has the building blocks, to, you know, just continue to get better. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I would just say, like, East Bangor's, you know, pitchers all together, you know, Sean and the other two guys that threw um, all impressed me to a certain extent. Um, just you know, they they were throwing strikes. They you know again, it, it, it's not um top level stuff by any means, but they were throwing strikes. They were 
you know, demanding their pitches. They were, you know, going after hitters and like um, that sort of, you know, that was the bottom level of this tournament. And, you know, because you can go to Old Line, you can go to Horseman, then all uh, East Bangor won a game, but Old Line and Horseman, you know, went 0 and 3. And, you know, they, those teams still have pitchers and players that, uh, pitchers and hitters that, um, you know, were, you know, were, uh, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, but like, you know, we're above that. It wasn't just like both of those teams played teams where they could have won and they were in games and stuff like that. And they've got legit, I guess, legit sort of talents is what I was kind of looking for. Um, so like, yeah, in my mind, it really would be all 24 teams that at least had, you know, something they were bringing to the table. That's like, that's almost kind of mind boggling even to think about. Yeah, I know. Um, Totally agree. You know, it's sort of going like up to the next level of like, you know, maybe some players that shouldn't get lost in the shuffle or teams too, um, that maybe weren't there at the end of the day, um, but had some stuff we should talk about. So and I'll throw this to you, Tim, since you 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 watch this game. I think maybe the most impressive single game performance may have been Pete Slater against Las Vegas Whifflers. Um early in the day, I think the second game for both teams. Oh yeah, I, I didn't actually get to see that um, uh, game on Dallas Town, but yeah, four four home runs on Buffalo, which you know is notoriously well, not notoriously, it plays bigger, um, especially on a day where the wind's all over the place, and um, you know Vegas Whifflers have you know a ton of pitching talent. And, you know, Pete Slater, who's just, you know, a ridiculously underrated hitter, um, you know, kind of almost willed that team, the Lemonheads, to a, I don't know. I mean, almost almost got them to 2-0. And, and yeah. you know, once you, get to, once you get to the elimination round, you kind of can roll the dice and um, then fall short to Vegas. But, you know, because I think they, yeah, they, they went into – you know, bases loaded, and it's just um, that, that was very impressive. Um, you know, to to start with, yeah, and I think that Lemonheads team overall, you know, deserves a big shout out. It was um, Tim Beck, Dave Clark, John Polanco, and Pete Slater. Um, you know, they beat the Stoppers their opening game, almost beat Las Vegas Whifflers, and then lost a close game to the Yaks to be eliminated from the tournament. They, you know they played really, really well. And they're like one of those teams that if you kind of sort of look at the standings and stuff, you're going to say, Oh, you know, it doesn't look like they did play well, but they did. It's just, again, that's just the level of competition. Um, and I, I would throw the blue balls in there as well. They were in that same B bracket over at, uh, shy park. Um, and they were the last team to enter replacing the RV revs, um, just earlier this past week. But, you know, Tons of talent with Zane Johnston, Cam Farrow, and Chris Durning. Um, you know, they won their first game. Um dropped their second game to who did they lose their second game to? Run the blank. To Vegas? Oh no, so they lost to Vegas. They lost to Vegas in their first game, seven nothing. Then they beat um Stompers. Dark no, no, it would have been the Stompers because they're in the bottom half of that bracket. I think no, they no. beat. 
they were in the top half because the RV Revs were going to be in the top okay. half. Okay. So then, yeah. So then they beat the Stompers, and then they beat um, um, Dark Knights, maybe. I don't know. I was over there for some of that. God, doesn't doesn't, doesn't matter. But you know that that team made the uh, the five the, made the uh, final twelve, and they they took um, they took Earl. You know, to the limit in the final twelve. You know, self inflicted. You were over there for that self inflicted error cost them that game. You know, I, I hear Cam Farah had a really good tournament. I didn't get to see him at all, but um, and it, again, that's no surprise at all. But that's another sort of middle of the road team. They're a late replacement that played really, really well, and like, you know, just just by the skin of their teeth, didn't make the final eight. So like, you don't, you know, you you want to make sure those teams get remembered. Same with the Goon Squad. Goon Squad started the day own one. Had two home runs in the last inning off of the Meads, including a walk off from Bean, um, against Cole in the Meads, um, and then they eliminate the Canes. So they, you know, won two straight games against the Meads and the Canes, two final eight teams from last year's United Wiffle to make the uh, um, final twelve, and kind of ran out of gas against the Long Balls. But like, you know, again, another great performance. The Dragons were two outs away from eliminating with Inc., who ended up finishing second. Um, you know, Bucci had a great hitting tournament and a good pitching tournament. Uh, Nick Lee was great against Whiff Inc. on the mounds. Um, just that, that that went into extras with bases loaded and all that. So just a ton of good teams in that middle part of the uh, tournament. Yeah, Dinos beat the Meats game one. Um, Almost. And, and, like, I mean, and, and they, had, they had Whiff Inc. on the ropes, too. The Dinos did. Um Brett pitched really, really well at his his MAW debut, and you know I think we're going to see a lot of him this summer, from what I understand with the Dinos. Um, yeah, that, that's another. I'm glad you mentioned that team too. Yeah, like the I, I don't know what the best word to call like the Dinos, Goon Squad, Dragons, even the Long Balls. Um, you Risers. know where yeah where they fall into the MAW you know regular team category. Um, those teams all showed out in one way or another. And, you know, that's just how that's, you know, just how stiff, you know, the competitions become that. Um, but it's also I think that's also one of the neat things is, you know, can seeing continually seeing these teams work their way up and, you know, continue to get better. Like, you know, Chris Owen, you know, shut out with Inc for you know for th- three plus innings until the rain came and then let up a, a double and a triple and then once after the rain delay he just didn't have anything anymore but like that's a guy who you know started in 2017 has continually gotten better every year and got to the point where he's holding down you know some of the best hitters in the game and that's you know that's just that's a lot of fun and like i was talking to cap about that and you know that's you know he came back to the whole thing well that's why we come and play and that's why you know you continue to work hard because you know if you do that stuff you'll you will get better yeah and 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 like i I think if you kind of like look at with inks run through the tournament um, you know, you already mentioned, you know, Chris against them, Chris and the risers against them, but like, you know, with Dinos and Brett or, you know, Nick and the dragons, um, the, with Inks got such an, you know, such a great offensive team 
with, you know, Kenny Rogers Jr. is one of the great hitters of all time. Anthony Didios, you know, great veteran, great hitter, um, or, you know, great veteran, you know, really good, solid veteran hitter that you want in a lineup. Ty Wagerson, you know, you know, a, a few years ago was, you know, a consistent MVP and he's still consistent, you know, top 10 player um, of the year candidate and still, you know, a very good hitter. And, you know, Dan Widener is under raise a hitter. Mike Stiles is going to be probably one of the best hitters, you know, if not this year, then, you know, <laughs> the year after. Great team and all these pitchers, you know, again, those three guys I named are big name pitchers, Chris, Nick, and Brett. And they all held them close. They all shut them down. They almost all beat them. And it wasn't just because those guys weren't hitting. It's because those guys were pitching really, really well. Um, and that's just so, so cool. that Like, that's the level of depth. And that's the margin for error. Within could have been eliminated multiple times throughout this tournament by teams that teams and pitchers that you don't think of as being top tier. And they end up finishing second and losing a one nothing game in the finals. Um, you know, and that's just so, so cool to see that sort of deep depth that uh, the sport has right now. Yep, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, something else that we talked about a lot coming into this tournament that was really cool for us was, you know, uh, some of the national teams that came out. So, you know, we'll get we'll get the Las Vegas Whifflers in a second. They obviously won the whole thing, and they're obviously from Las Vegas. Um, and then there was, you know, another West Coast sort of uh, all-starish type team in the Cajuns, and then TC35, who finished top eight last year in United Whiffle, and the Skull Crushers, who finished top eight last year in United Whiffle. Um, what's cool for me is that all of those we've talked about this a lot in this podcast over the years of just like that sort of perception that there's certain teams, whether it's regions of the country they are they're in or whether it's styles of play that they do that, you know, when we, you know, we started doing these podcasts, you know, several years ago, they were just kind of being dismissed and, you know, that's changed. That's a thing of the past now. And, you know, this is like, again, just another example, putting that nail in the coffin of, you know, TC 35 reached the final 12 and lost to Jugs juggernauts. Yeah. In the final 12, they had a tough, uh, a tough thing there. And they lost the long balls in their first game. And, you know, I was talking to or, sorry, their second game and I was talking to Dylan and some of the other long balls about that. And, you know, Chase, pitch, Chase Oliver pitched that game. They, they all said he pitched well. He just, he ran into Frankie Campanelli twice who hit two home runs. Uh, and, you know, Frankie's one of the, you know, the sports great hitters um, that people, you know, should know about and uh, hopefully do. Um, but, you know, he pitched really well and, and they went to, you know, they had a nice show. The Skull Crushers again finished top eight, lost to Withing. You know, it, uh, you know, Mike Whitty pitched two games, struck out 30, 30 batters in 10 innings over his two games. So, like, that's a third arm they've now added. He was with them last year at United Whiffle. Didn't really play much. Just, I think he pitched an inning, inning and two-thirds, something like that. So to go with Smithy and Warner now, that's a legit team. They didn't have Dudas, so they didn't have their probably their best overall hitter, um, or at least best contact hitter, best hitter for average. Um, you know, so CCW, you know, both of those teams, TC35 and CCW, showed that, like, that wasn't a fluke last year at United Wiffle. These are teams uh-huh. that are going to be, if guys stay healthy, are going to be um, – two of the best teams over the next, you know, five years or so. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, then the Cajuns had a tough showing, but, you know, again, that's a veteran team that just, they they, 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 they just got a bad, bad draw and they, you know, uh, uh, that happens sometime and they, you know, 
any of their games could have flipped on a dime. Um, And I think, you know, their counterpart, the Las Vegas Whifflers, their day sort of shows that a lot. Like, so, you know, Las Vegas obviously won the tournament, played really, really well. Jordan Bonet is, you know, is a tournament MVP, you know, going away, not even a question. Um, but every single one of their games, we talked about the Lemonheads game earlier, you know, where they kind of barely escaped that. Pretty much besides they blew up the blue balls in the first game, which is kind of funny since the blue balls ended up having a, you know, a pretty good tournament. Um, but besides for that, everything was razor thin. They they were being perfect game by Brandon Bowes for eight innings and a little number off of Steve Trapeze's bats with bases loaded, um, won them that game in the final 12 or final eight quarterfinals. Um you know, again, that really just shows the razor thin margin that, you know, they won the the championship game one nothing. Um, they beat the juggernauts with bases loaded on a, a, a triple by their newest player, um, who's gonna be who's gonna be really, really good, especially if he gets in the reps. Um you know, it, it's he, he, he by the end of the year he could be one of the top players if he gets in the reps. If not, it just may take him a little longer. You know, if he's not getting in the reps regularly, but it's it's going to happen and he's going to be really really good. Um, you know, he hit a game winning triple. But you know, it just goes to show you how like you could replay this tournament a thousand times and probably get you know nine hundred different different outcomes. Yeah, and like you know, it's it is a cliche, but the old adage of. You know, you need to be good, but, but you also need to, you know, have a little bit of luck. And, um, you know, that, you know, that that is the case for at every single tournament, you know, almost in every single, you know, game where you have two good teams, you know, it, it, you just need that. Yeah, that that little, you know, bit else. It's almost, you know, it like a, a like a tournament, you know, essentially is, hey, survive. And yeah, then find a way to keep going. And the Las Vegas Whistlers did that. They had a long, long layoff. Um, well, not a long, long layoff, but a, a, a decent length layoff before the championship game. Um, and didn't let that impact them. They had a pretty decent, I guess, layoff before the Jugs game too, and didn't let a you know that impact them. So like, you know, that's also what's great about this game is you know this isn't played on paper it's played in real life and you know you never never know what you're going to get and when you have the opportunity and you seize those opportunities you know you can do some really you know you can do some really cool things and you know vegas guys were you know able to do that big time yeah and like you know we're 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 super appreciative of of that and every other team that traveled a long distance or even if you didn't travel as long of a distance as other teams, you know, just coming down to do this. And again, all these guys do this because they have that competitive drive and they, and they, they, they want to prove, you know, uh, they're the best. It's, I, I, I don't want to give, you know, since these are private conversations. I don't want to give too much of this away, but like, I know you talked to Las Vegas guys, Tim, and I think like sort of the assumption was, okay, they're, you know, coming to this in part, obviously they want to win. They want to prove themselves. They want to test themselves against tougher um, against, you know, against tough competition. Uh, but we also kind of assumed that it was, you know, they had this was their UWIF team and they had it locked in stone. As it turns out, they don't necessarily have it, didn't necessarily have it locked in stone, but they still wanted to come here, you know, just to compete. Um, you know, I think what they found out is like, yeah, if they run, if they run with this five-man team, this is a team that, you know, can really do, you know, 
big things at, at the world championship tournaments. It'll be interesting to see what they uh, ultimately decide. Yeah. I mean, anyone who comes out and competes, you know, it's, it's, and, and 99% of the Wiffle world does that. It, you know, it makes the, makes a couple of people who don't uh, stand out, but like, you know, that was, you know, I went up to him after yeah, the championship game and I said, Hey, is this your guys, you know, United Wiffle team and you know it was a very honest answer it was like as of right now no um and that's really cool it would have been fine if they came out here just to qualify oh, yeah. as well yeah. um but like that's just I don't know there's something it's something different you know when you're flying you know three time zones or two time zones I don't know what Nevada is I think Nevada's in the mountain um you know coming half you know three quarters of the way across the country for you know a tournament where you, you could have you know only played three games and um yeah really appreciative and it shows just that level of you know how good they are yep yeah no i mean they they they, they, they went through a, a monster um set of opponents and you know got it done in any in a whole bunch of different a whole bunch of different ways any way they needed to they got it done and that's just really really impressive um and then last thing before we wrap up i just want to kind of go through you know sort of three maw regulars um let's start with Win or you know or uh well, well we'll end with two of you know maw's big franchises but first let's start with Inc. they had they finished second they had a great tournament they easily could have won this um what kind of stuck out for me to you about with ink uh yesterday um i mean you know uh a, a lot of you know the excellent pitching i mean two two number ones in whitener and styles um you know i think uh you know i think didio brings something different to that team in terms of you know a veteran um you know obviously kenny's also a veteran but like um and Ty also would fit that as well, but like just they got a lot of different pieces and, um, you know, I think everyone knows that, you know, they're going to be in that conversation. Like, you know, those, the, the top three teams that don't have to play in the wild card in you know, in September, you know, those spots are going to be, you know, it's going to be a dog fight. And, you know, with think, on you know on day one showed that you know they're you know they're they're right there yep i i i agree with that and like one thing you know they're just they're such a, a well-rounded team like you know ty had big hits for them styles had big hits for them you know kenny was a little more quiet than he usually is but like you know he's going to have big hits at some point and he still did he still did on saturday too to be fair um you know so you know wider at big hits and um, they're just such a well-rounded team, and also on the pitching side, um, you know, you got related to that tournament, and you know, Earl had Teddy out there throwing because circumstance. You know, and, and I, I, I got to back up there because I started, I started saying this as if like you know, Teddy throwing late in the tournament is a surprise. It shouldn't be. He's you know, he's a top pitcher, but you know, Earl's got Potter, and they got Jordan, and they got Vin. You know, Vin was injured, couldn't pitch. Jordan couldn't come back after the rain delay. His, you know, his arm was kind of spent uh, early in the season. Just, you know, pitching that, pitching the innings he did, and then he just couldn't get loose again after that. Connor had already pitched a 
ton of games. It's like you turn into a guy like Teddy and he's just able to, these teams now have this sort of depth. Like it's funny, like you and I always came up and it was like, okay, we got to make sure that teams don't have rotations or teams don't have all of this depth of pitching because that's going to sort of, you know, hurt the sport. All these pitchers are going to consolidate. There's such an embarrassment of talent out there now that you could have teams like Earl and Withink and where I was going with Withink is, you know, tied in pitch all day. Widener, you know, pitched the early games. Styles did, you know, just an incredible, unbelievable job of pitching, you know, them through the early um, prelim games. And then they were able to turn it over to a guy who's a three-time, you know, not too long ago, was a three-time national championship winner to pitch the finals for them. Um, you know, all these teams are just so deep. And they're they're also willing to not get locked into something. Like, you know, Earl's willing to say, okay, let's do this to get there. And then we'll pitch Teddy. We think is willing to say, hey, you know, th- I mean, this is just how good this team is that Ty is their third pitcher. But hey, you know, let's get there with our top two pitchers. And then we've got this guy we could turn over to a championship game. It's just really fun and really interesting to sort of, you know, to sort of watch that dynamic at play. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And then, um, you know, you've got so the, the, those two and then, you know, you've got the jugs. If we're talking about, you know, the teams that, you know, at least preseason and are you know fighting for those top three spots and you know i guess i guess based off of the last year and a half yeah maybe the uh jugs getting eliminated in the semifinals is a is a disappointment to them but um they had a great tournament they you know they got beat by you know that they I don't know when you when you play nine innings and you you know have two bases loaded innings, you know it, it's it, it's just it's so hard. It's, every pitch is such high leverage, and um, and you know I, I I think the thing is you know too is no one's no one's unbeatable, and you know even you know and there was a while where it looked like oh well you know maybe that's not true, <laughs> and you know if anything I think you know come the next tournament you know that may that may that may be exactly what they you know needed to happen not needed but or, you know they may have they may even look back at that and say oh well that's you know it's good that happened because that may you know kick start him and I, I know you know denapoli said he was talking to stamp right afterwards or no he's talking to red and you know basically you know very wise veteran words of you know well, we're not gonna win every single thing time and we did what we needed to do point wise and you know there's plenty of season left winning in april doesn't mean what it does in september yeah like you and i talked about this in our post united wiffle podcast this past october of like the one thing that makes the jugs sort of so impressive is like they're not there have been teams at different eras different parts of history and fast pitch wiffle ball in this, you know, lineage of the national championship tournament that have just completely dominated because they stood above the rest of the competition. The competition just wasn't there, um, you know, or just, you know, they were facing less teams, whatever it was, um, you know, the, what makes the juggernauts last two years, um, you know, this year is just starting. They're you know back to back Mid Atlantic titles and back to back World slash National titles. So impressive is that they are facing all this tough competition. They are facing it in big tournaments, and they're doing it. You know, losses 
like this, which if you know, they had a bunch of them in 2022, 2021. They had less last year, but they still had some last year. Um, almost, and it's counterintuitive, but they it, it almost is sort of helpful to their legacy in some ways because it's like, you know, yeah, they're not just winning everything and just rolling over everyone. They are playing in a very, very competitive environment, as shown by the fact that they're, you know, they're losing sometimes. Um, you know, that just kind of makes the fact that they've been able to win as much as they have these past two years that much more impressive. And I'm I'm with you. I think, you know, they're a team that always plays with a chip on their shoulder. So I think this is just, you know, I think it may be, end up being a good thing for them, giving them another chip to play on. Um, you know, especially it being a, t- a team that, you know, eliminated them in that won the tournament that they're not going to see you again, most likely until October, you know, <laughs> we know those guys are going to feed on that and whether that, propels them or not, you know, to a uh, a higher place than they would otherwise end up, you know, remains to be seen. But like, um, you know, it, it's just be a cool thing to, you know, to follow. And I hope, you know, I hope we see Las Vegas at some, you know, I, I don't expect them to fly across country again for an MAW tournament this year. I guess you never know. Uh, but yeah, I hope we see them playing in some stuff this year. Um, it just kind of could follow that sort of story and kind of get some of these, you know, uh, contenders from different places that we've already started to get with CCW and TC35 and stuff. It'll just be interesting to see if, you know, after opening day when MAW com- becomes a little more sort of insulated and these guys go back to their, you know, their home markets, just sort of how things go for the next six months, you know, before it all yep. comes back together in October. Totally agree. All right. So that's all for us for this episode and all of us for April. Uh, in general, or at least on Mondays in April in general, on Holy Commutes. Uh, Tim Dean will be back in tomorrow. The Steffi's Brothers on Wednesday, the Missouri Show on Thursday, and Josh Smith on Friday to wrap out. Wrap, wrap out? Wrap around? Wrap, wrap, wrap up, up. Wrap up. Wrap up. Wrap up the uh, April 2023 season. Um, and then Holy Commutes will return as it always does in July. July. Uh, July, yeah, for the second part of the 2023 season. And we'll probably have some drop podcasts hopefully in between then to uh, keep things going on the MAW 2023 season. But uh, thanks for listening here in the 15th season of Holy Commutes, and we will see you in a few months.